0: This is the song of Ibn Arabi, a twelfth century Sufi poet. Ibn Arabi was followed by other Sufi poets like Jalal ad-Din Muhammad Rumi in the 13th century. And if people aren't familiar with the Sufi poets, they probably know Turkey's whirling dervishes, which are also associated with Sufism. Poetry and dervishes can be part of different Sufi orders, but at the heart of Sufism is Islam and its interaction with the Prophet Muhammad. Sufis however have always differed because they have evolved and adapted their practice of Islam. Hamza Malik is a lecturer in Sufism at the Department of the Near and Middle East at SOAS at the University of London. He says Sufism began to distinguish itself from mainstream Islam in the 1800s.
1: The people who are studying Sufism often saw it as something different to what they expected a kind of strict Islam to be and found some elements maybe close to Christianity in that way. Whereas in the Muslim lands, it's also been, again, from the period of colonialization, there was A kind of thought whether what had gone wrong, the Muslims used to be powerful and used to control their own lands. Where had things gone wrong? And the answer generally lay in that they had moved away from the original teachings of Islam.
0: Sufis are found across the world, not just in the Middle East. One article by Stephen Schwartz, a practicing Sufi himself, says out of the roughly 1.3 billion Muslims worldwide, 5% are Sufis. But to get a true number of practicing Sufis, especially those who find themselves outside of Islam, is hard to come by since it depends on the order and how one defines a Sufi. But numbers aside, Sufism has evolved differently than mainstream Islam.
1: In the West, whereby again, Sufis are able more to look deeper into the spiritual essence of Islam and what it's about, rather than like just a literal following of routine. Which isn't to say that those things aren't there. Sufis don't come up and say oh, we don't need to pray anymore and we don't need. To... They never say those things, but they just give a better understanding, where people can relate to it more maybe, rather than it being just so ritualistic, you could say.
0: Different Sufi communities follow different Sufi orders. The orders are based on individual Sufis in history who inspired followers. Rabbi and Hassan are two practicing Sufis who grew up in the United States as practicing Christians, but later converted to Sufism. They've lived all over the world, including Egypt, but now reside in South Korea. They practice the Sufism developed by Hazrat Inayat Khan, an Indian musician who worked in the early 20th century he
2: was a court musician in india and was also a sufi this is like 1910 and um he believed very strongly that islam and hinduism and Buddhism and christianity were all facets of the same thing they were all trying to reach something deeper so he felt that you didn't have to be a muslim or a hindu as such you weren't being locked into one thing. Now, this is definitely a minority thing among Sufis. If you went to a Naqshbandi Sufi in Egypt, he would say, absolutely not, you have to be a Muslim.
0: Rabia explains that for them, being Sufi is not about being Muslim. The two are not connected.
3: Well, Sufism (laughs) was never a religion. Islam is a religion. Sufism was never a religion. They were probably the, maybe the first Sufis that, because we say Jesus Christ was a Sufi, he's a seeker of knowledge, he's a truth seeker, and teacher of the heart, he's a Sufi. There are people that are Sufis that don't may not call themselves that. But Sufism was never a religion. People, maybe some of the first Sufis were Muslims, who were finding the mystical connection and experience within their religion. Because it's experiential, it is the mystical side, it's the Gnosis.
0: Most specialists disagree, however, and say Sufism comes from Islam and from the Quran. Hisham Halir is one of them. He's a senior non-resident fellow at the Atlantic Council and a professor at the Center for Advanced Study of Islam, Science, and Civilization. He says the two cannot be separated.
2: It's not to say that non-Muslims don't benefit or seek benefit from sufi scholars or sufi teachers because that's historically not true you had many non-muslims you had christians and jews and others people outside of the abrahamic faiths that would go to sufi teachers and sufi scholars and they would ask them for their advice and their counsel and uh, they might even do certain exercises Uh, generally speaking people like that would eventually become muslim but that wouldn't be considered for uh, at least a lot of the stories that we know of It wouldn't be considered a prerequisite for people to come and ask for counsel and advice. But, you know, a very basic practice of all Sufis is to read the Qur'an. And uh, that's the Islamic revelation par excellence. And to imagine that that's something that can be separated from Islam, I'm not really sure how you can do that.
0: But for hundreds of thousands of people around the world, Sufism has become a means of achieving a spirituality that is rooted in Islam, but that is not necessarily part of the religion. It's a stream
3: or a reminder of the breath, is the breath of religion. It's a natural practice every day that you do, but being conscious and aware of it and seeing that is a direct experience of the energy of, of one. That's not a religion, it's just more of a way of informing my life.
0: Hamza says that as Islam spread across the world, Sufis were often able to adapt the religion to the local culture thereby drawing in more converts. So to give an
1: example, when Islam came to India, the original people that came, they conquered and, you know, there were people there. But a lot of the people who became Muslim became Muslim through the Sufis. And what the Sufis did was they learned, you know, the local languages and then they wrote poetry in the local languages. They made, you know, sometimes music according to the local languages. And this allowed the local people there to have a much greater understanding about what Islam was about.
0: The fact that Sufism has an ability to evolve and to adapt, unlike traditional branches of Islam, means it is criticized by some conservative Muslims. Hamza says Sufis are often seen as different.
1: In essence, the Sufis don't do anything too different. In the basis, they don't do anything different than normal Muslims do. They definitely have a particular kind of outlook. And historically, they've always been much quicker and faster to kind of take in the local culture and be able to see what's not harmful about you know, the, the local culture
0: But at what point did Sufis start becoming targets for fellow Muslims? Hamza says this happened partly because Sufis had introduced changes to the religion.
1: Innovations which took Muslims away from you know the pure form of their religion and this needed to be purged. So the Sufis began being seen perhaps as the people who were you know stuck in the old and promoting more cultural aspects and aspects from other religions especially. And then it fed back in. So studies that were being done scholars in the West were saying, well, maybe these aspects are more from Zoroastrianism or from Christianity or from mystic Judaism, often excuses were given that aspects of Sufism were taken from other religions. And this kind of fed back in to some Muslim writers and thinkers of reading the same things and saying, yes, that's right. Uh, A lot of this has come from outside. And for us to be successful, we must, you know, turn away from this and cleanse and go back to kind of like a pure origin.
0: Many of the main opponents to Sufis are conservative Muslims, such as the Salafists or Wahhabis in Saudi Arabia. Hallier says Salafism started as a reaction within Islam.
2: You don't have Sufism coming from Salafism at all. On the contrary, what you have is Salafism is is much more of a latter-day development. It begins in the the 1700s, in the 18th century, and it's very critical of Sufism. And in that regard, puts itself, frankly, in opposition to what mainstream Sunni Islam um, has relied upon for you know, a millennium.
0: But what exactly is the basis for Sufism in Islam? Halir says the starting point is in the life of the Prophet Muhammad.
2: A particular event that takes place during the early years of the Prophet's life, where the Prophet is with some of his companions, and a man comes upon them from beyond where they are, they're actually in Medina, and he comes upon them, and none of the companions seem to recognize him.
0: This man is the Archangel Gabriel, and he proceeds to ask the Prophet to define Islam. He does so referring to the five pillars of Islam. Gabriel then asks Muhammad to define Iman, which means faith, and Muhammad also provides an answer referring to certain articles and the belief in the Day of Judgment. A third question is then put to Mohammed by Gabriel, asking him to define Ihsan. Helier explains.
2: The third dimension will relate to uh, spiritual matter and spiritual excellence. And from that you'll get Sufism. And there'll be other names of disciplines. And, uh, you know, sometimes they don't call it Sufism, sometimes they call it by other names. But it all relates to that dimension of Ihsan. And all of those disciplines put together, they're not, they're a part. They're dimensions of the same religion, of of the religion of Islam. And that's how Muslim scholars have have always looked at Sufism as an integral part, an integral dimension of the religion in general.
0: Uh This story is a pivotal moment for Sufism, according to most Islamic authorities, because it is the basis for correct form and practice for Sufi Muslims. But for Hamza, it's not the only basis.
1: So there's quite a few different verses and traditions that are used The Gabriel. One is definitely um, often used as you know being the third aspect, and that kind of fits in nicely as Sufism kind of not being different to Islam, but being you know for people who want to go deeper into it.
0: And so, while many practicing Sufis today may not consider themselves Muslims, Sufism has always been an element of Islam for some who are trying to reach a higher level of spirituality. It has had the room to interpret and question its evolution and this has given it a place in modern times, but also, as we've seen, a reputation for being something separate and something different to mainstream Islam. That's all the time we have for this month's mini's Junction with me, Anne-marie Basada <laughs>
4: وجاءت من الشوق المبرح والجوى ومن طرف البلوى لقد كل وبيت
0: لأوثان
4: وكعبة طائف وألواح تورات وألواح تورات ومصحف قرآن دين بدين الحب أن توجهت ركابه فالحب ديني فالحب ديني فالحب ديني, فالحب ديني, فالحب ديني, فالحب ديني وإيماني أدين بدين الحب أن توجه the yeah. yeah. whole